Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step -step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. I'm not a breeder. I, I'm breeding specifically for, you know, me. I'm selfishly, I wanted a pup and I wanted it from her because I am, am a fan of how she operates and, and I wanted another dog from that line specifically. She's got to prove herself before that because I want to make sure that if I'm going to breed this dog and I'm going to bring other dogs into this world, that they are doing the breed, the GSB breed justice. That was, that was a big thing for me. Why is it usually form or function when it comes to shotguns? You either hear about the looks or craftsmanship of this shotgun, while that shotgun over there in the corner hasn't been cleaned in two seasons, but supposedly fits and shoots like a dream. Why can't it be both? This is what Upland Gun Company does. They take your own personal measurements and will construct the very shotgun that should handle like a dream while getting you the looks and custom features that only you can decide on. Whether it's a side-by-side -side or over-under, English stock or full pistol grip, custom engraving such as your dog's portrait, even down to selecting the wood grain on your stock. Head on over to UplandGunCompany.com and build the dream gun that you would carry in the field with your dog for many seasons. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. This week's guest is Nate Akey. Nate, how you doing, man? Doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I know you're up in Oregon. What part of Oregon are you in? I am. I'm just south of Portland, kind of the Beaverton area, so not just outside of, outside of Portland, where uh, my wife and I here, we moved out just a couple years ago for her job, but uh, we still haven't quite found exactly where we want to be. We just ended up here on a whim. You know, we had just a little bit of time to find a place when we had to move out here. So we're kind of still stuck here, but we're searching for something maybe a little bit further outside of, you know, the busyness of this area. So we're making our way, but I'd like to get a little bit, a little bit further out of the way. A little more remote. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you came from Michigan. Do I do I remember that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Michigan, both my wife and I, we came from Michigan. Um, um, my parents from the Big Rapids area. Her parents from the Grand Rapids area. That's kind of where we grew up. And uh, yeah, we both both went to school there and, and then made our way out here. How big of a shock was it moving out to Oregon from Michigan, dealing with all the bird dogs and everything? You go, go from like rough grouse honey hole to Oregon, which has its own kind of unique upland experience. Like, you know, the more I kind of learn about Oregon, it's, it's pretty intriguing, but it's not exactly Great Lakes grouse hunting, I guess. Yeah, it's not the same. Uh, I would say, you know, it's not kind of that flat, that flat land that you get from the Midwest or Michigan specifically, where, you know, you're just looking at aspen stands and things like that with grouse and, and 
in uh, Woodcock, but there are a ton of opportunities out here. There's grouse out here as well, rough grouse. Um, there's blue grouse, there's things like that. But the, the environment that they're in is is just much more elevated is probably the best way to put it. I mean, you, you look at the coast range uh, with grouse, quail, uh, some of those blue grouse that I was finding the other day. And there's, there's, you know, it's a ton of elevation. You're hiking up and down. You're not just flat landing it and pushing through brush. Now I will say, depending on where you're at, if you're in the, if you're in the coast range, it's thicker than what I'm used to in Michigan. Now, really? Obviously Michigan's well, yeah, it's well known for being very thick and I still have scars from, from all the pricker bushes to prove it. Yeah. You know, I still have them. And, uh, but out here it's much thicker. You're thinking of that, that temperate rainforest and just that amount of vegetation all the time. There's so many more escape routes for those grouse and, and, they may not be quite as flighty as highly pressured Michigan grouse because they're not as pressured out here, but the escape routes that they have are much more abundant than what you have in Michigan. And, and that's saying a lot. I would compare it as far as like thickness to um, probably the bush in Ontario. I've hunted grouse up there because my in-laws, they have a, they have a hunting and fishing lodge up there, a flying place. And up there, it's just as thick. It's kind of like everywhere you step, you're stepping on something or over something, and there's always something in the way, that sort of thing. And that's how it is out here. So, yeah, very similar to that. So is Ruffy still your passion out there? Is kind of blue grouse or anything taking over that at all? No, you know, definitely uh, Chucker have have taken over from me out here. Um, Yeah, I what's nice is where I'm at. It's not far from some great places for some mountain quail for, for rough grouse. Like I said, I just saw some uh, blue grouse of Sudis, which I'm excited about this year. We'll see if they stick around. Um, so I do get out there and I still get to hunt those, but it's not, it, it's not as fun as, as chucker hunting specifically, but also I would say Michigan grouse hunting is still a little bit more fun because you can walk a whole day where here it's, it's kind of like you hit a cover and then you get in the truck and then you hit a small cover and you hit the truck because, because of places you can go where you can actually reach and just how thick. Now there are some places kind of further South down the, down the coast here that are a little bit different that I haven't tried, but, but yeah, Chucker's kind of taken over. I had, I had East often and man, you hit the Hills and you can go all day. You got to do some climbing, you got to do some sweating, but it's worth it. It's a blast. I mean, you get into those coveys and you can, you can have a ball. Man, I, the chucker hunting, I'm I'm going to do that. That's on my short list. I mean, it's not going to happen this season probably, but uh, it's uh, wouldn't surprise me if it's on a next season like must do. I got to get out there and, and compare the chucker hunting to, you know, other mountain hunting and chasing. I don't know. I, I have to have some personal experience between the king. You know, it, there you go. What do you consider the king? Is it chucker or rough grouse? Or it depends on the day yeah. and which one you're hunting. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the grouse will always the rough grouse will always hold a special spot in my heart. Yeah. You know, that's what got me hooked on all this. It is what it is. It's still the king to me, but it's a different game entirely. Um I I equate rough grouse to a little bit of that mind game. Every time you hit one, it's not it's not so much a physical game, but you're always playing that mind game with a grouse when you're approaching. And you are with Chucker as well, but it's still an open atmosphere. So you have a little bit more chance for mistake. Now the, the mind games you're playing with Chucker have a little bit more to do with, you know, small Hills, elevation, things they can dive off from or up and away from you, just out of range or grouse. You're still kind of analyzing your surrounding and you're saying, 
okay, where can that grouse escape? Here's the, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Where are my shooting lanes? Where, where is it probably going to go? You know, where do I think it's going to go? And and it's all a guessing game, right? So you try to narrow it down. If you, if you get it right, then you're not going down, but that happens, you know, once in five and and it's awesome when it does. So it's still, still kind of the king to me, but, but definitely Chucker's a different, different game entirely. And the physical aspect is really what draws me to that. Gotcha. Now, um, how long have you been in the bird dog world? Because I know you, you we're going to be talking about your dog Tika a lot on this episode, but you know, how, how long have you been in the bird dog world? Yeah. So hard to say what the world is, right? So I've had my, my dog Tika for six years, six and a half years now. That's kind of when I died I dove head first. Um, before that, my family always had labs. Um, and, and we did some light waterfowl with them. I had friends that had labs. And then other than that, I, I did a lot of foot hunting just without a dog for, for rough grouse and, and woodcock back in Michigan. So I was always a hunter. I was a bow hunter. I was a big game hunter, all of those things. And I did the small game. I did the birds, but it wasn't really until I got my dog Tico about six, six and a half years ago that I just went all in. And, and as I think a lot of us can say, once you get the dog, you, you feel like you owe it to that dog. And that's when that obsession starts, right? You get the dog and you're like, I got to go, I got to do this. We're going to get this right. And, and you can't have a dog just kind of sitting there looking at you like, why aren't we hunting today for too long until you pack up your shit and you go, you know, that's what you got to do. Oh, it it is funny. It's true though. I mean, how many days have you been like, you know what, maybe I don't feel like trucking out there and, and, and climbing hills. Maybe it's a crappy weather day or something, but you just look at the dog and you're like, you know what, this one's for you. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's get up. Let's get after. And, so, and, and those are always the best days, right? It the is. Ones you begrudgingly you do. And then all of a sudden it turns in. It's like, of course, why didn't I, why wouldn't I even think to go out here? I have to go today. I guarantee you it's because we don't have any expectations. It's like, I didn't even right. want to go. It's like, I'm going because I feel like, you know, I need to, or I mean, you, at some level deep down, you want to go. That's why we do it. Yeah. Right. But yeah. you know, it's the days that you go out there that you're pumped. And you're like, man, we're going to, we're going to shoot a limit. Dogs are going to crush it and then everything goes wrong but it's the days they're like man i should just sit at home and all of a sudden it reminds you why we get off the couch and go do it yep yep every time every time i'm out there and i I barely made it and then it just turns into the best day ever it turns into i know everything goes right and i know like you said you expect it to go great it's the worst day ever (laughs) it's awful things are going bad you know it's I've had both sides and, and, but I've never been disappointed when I've, when I've gotten in the truck and laughed either. Yeah, so exactly. It's always worth it. Yep, yeah. It's always an adventure one way or the other. So tell me well, why labs, if you grew up with labs, like what, why change from labs, I guess is what I was saying. Like why go from labs to short hairs? Yeah. So I think the versatility, first off, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've always been that foot hunter before that. And then waterfowl as well. And having a dog that can do both was, was big on my list. Um, you know, this dog kind of came up to me by surprise. I was in grad school at the time and my advisor actually had a, had some pups from the same uh, breeder and they had a litter. He mentioned it to me and I said, man, I think I'd like to get a dog. Shouldn't have. I had no business. I had not enough time, but what happened was my hobby turned into that dog, right? Other than what I was going through in school, it became the dog. Um, so yeah, you know, I switched from the lab. I love labs, but there's something about a short hair. There's something about that pointing, you know, everything that goes into a, a pointing dog that finds birds locks on and just kind of the way your heart races when you do that. And when they do that, it's, it's, it's completely different than the, 
for me, the bond that I had with my labs where the labs there, it retrieves, it does its job. That's great. But there's just, there's more in motion when you're looking at a pointing dog uh, than when you're looking at just a retriever. And that's what really drew me to the breeds. So let's jump in on Tika because I know it's been an adventure. You go from labs to short hairs and we met last year in person at the Invitational. You know, we crossed paths at the day that you ran and then we got to, got to get in a quick walk or two in South Dakota chasing prairie chickens as well. Uh, but it sounds like you had quite the journey with Tika just starting out, getting your feet under you with a short hair and then you make it all the way to the Invitational. Kind of, you know, cram in those four or five years with Tika and uh and kind of get let's get to know Tika a little bit because obviously she's going to play a big important role on this this topic and episode today. Yeah, so with like I said, when I got her, I I originally had had no idea. I didn't know what to do, how to train uh, train a bird dog, train a pointing dog. Um, the days before um, I went and picked her up, I even I looked at podcasts. Podcasts were just kind of becoming a thing at the time, and I looked it up. Um, you know, I think this is similar to a lot of people that have done this, but Ron, he's close by Ron Bame and the Hunting Dog Podcast. I found that one because Hunting Dog came up. Listen yeah. to his stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, and, and I also talked to another uh, trainer out in that area. His name's Scott Brozier as well. He's, he's a pretty good trainer in Michigan. And uh, I called him and chatted his ear off for about two hours. So he was, he was gracious enough to do that. And, you know, I, I think I was more nervous when I got off the phone than I was when I started just because <laughs> I, I learned more than I needed to know, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But it was great. It was great. And then, you know, I, I'm listening to uh, the hunting dog podcast there and, and Ron keeps mentioning this nav, this thing. And that was, that was new to me as well. I didn't know. So I, I, I got online, I looked it up and, um, I, I saw that there was a chapter not too far from me, a little ways, but definitely worth the drive. And the president at the time was a guy, uh, and now, and was a great friend of mine, uh, Craig Jones. And so I emailed Craig, uh, and, and Craig emailed me right back and he just said, Hey, come over, take a look, see what happens and, you know, see what we got going on. So I went to a training day and I remember I got there and the first thing everyone said is, where the hell's your dog? And I got there and I go, well, I, I left her. She's just a pup. I didn't think. And they're like, well, we love puppies, <laughs> you know? And, and that's when I knew like, this is about the dogs. And and we went, you know, we went head first and, and it, it really became an addiction based on just watching her develop, watching Tika develop. We went, we did the training, we ran on birds. It was me, you know, doing drags for other people just because I didn't know what was going on, you know, how to do that stuff necessarily. So I was the first one to say, Hey, I'll help you with that. I'll help you with that. Just so I could learn just what am I, what am I doing with these birds, with this dog, all of this different stuff? Why are we doing it? And, you know, it just, it snowballed from there. I, I, I fell in love with the progress. I fell in love with watching her develop and, and, you know, to what I didn't understand at the time and other people did, they're like, man, she's a really good dog. And, you know, that pushed me even further getting that feedback. And, you know, I ran, I ran the NA, uh, we got a prize too, um, which, you know, I, I, I will tell anybody firsthand that NA is, is a good, is a good and a bad thing as far as like judging your dog off from that day alone. And at that age, and then there's a bunch of different age variation. And now what I know is that it's, it's not as important, right? I've seen plenty of dogs at this point go from NA3, NA2, NA, all the way to the invitational, no problem, because every dog develops at a different, different point. Now, 
us getting that that prize too that day was really uh, just a product of the pheasant jumping up instead of instead of running so i was gonna say the track yeah i was gonna bet money it's always a track track, yeah it's always a track so it is what it is i i wasn't beat up about it i was i was super stoked i mean it's the first time i ever ran nervous as hell and to this day every time i run i'm nervous as hell so it is it's still the same nothing's changed (laughs) there but but then yeah then i got i i took some time because i wanted to finish up uh grad school and so i that's why it was kind of a elongated thing but then i'm like you know i i was working with you know craig and 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 some other guys that were running there getting their dogs ready for the invitational and i learned a ton and i was running my dog with them and i'm like you know i gotta do her justice um and and run her in the ut and you know craig had passed at that time but you know he had helped me along the way and it was it was a no-brainer i was running that ut i was going to do it i'd fallen into it and that progress just kept going kept going so ran it um you know i was i was lucky enough to be able to do that actually at my parents farm uh they we they have a, a nice place with fields and ponds and and uh we they still the michigan chapter still runs runs the test there today. Um, and we had our ups. Yeah. And we had our ups and downs that day. And, and throughout the whole day, I couldn't tell you, you know, that UT test, if what was going to happen, but, but yeah, so we ended up doing all right. And we, and we got the prize one. And then, and then through that, I, then I had to, we moved out here and then I had to learn uh, I had to meet people. I had to find people that were training out here. Like Quick too, because the, the clock's Quick. ticking going to the Invitational. Yeah. You're moving and yeah. you got to reconnect. But I guess yeah. the NAVDA chapter out there, like the network of the chapters probably helps yeah. you in that regard, be my bet. Definitely, definitely. And and the other thing was I, I kind of lucked out in some ways because we had the year off, right? So I had, I had qualified, but we had that year off. Um because of covid and so i got out here started meeting some people met uh you know you've had you've had a few of them on actually uh daryl Pernet. uh met him he's a great guy ended up training with him and then and then joe and and jennifer wapinski you've had them on as well and and another you know some great resources there and then some people from the central oregon chapter and even the willamette valley chapter and through that you know i was able to get as ready as i could through having um you know, having a wedding moving, you know, I got married during that summer. I was moving, you know, I moved out here. It was all fresh and meeting new people and having to drive around. I actually, I, I had a different job at that time that I started that I now don't do, but I, you know, change a career things, all those different things. But luckily I found those guys and we really, really got Tika dialed in and, and, you know, we had a great run that day other than a couple things. And that's why we missed it. So it is what it is, but you know, that was kind of the nav, the story other than that, you know, hunting wise, uh, I did, I, I did quite a bit. I was, I was hunting all the time with friends on, on rough grouse and, and, uh, woodcock. And we were, we were doing really good. Tika was really, really solid on those. And, and she really shined on rough grouse early, which, you know, not every dog can do. So it was, it was really impressive. Um, and then I actually had a great, my great uncle, he asked me, um, early on, I think Tika was two or something. And he goes, Hey, you want to, you want to go out to, uh, North Dakota? I used to go with my buddies all the time. And, and I, you know, I know you got a dog, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, let's do that. And, and that's, that was my first introduction out there as far as bird hunting is concerned. And, man, I, I loved, loved every minute of that watching 
watching her just develop on different species in kind of the open because there is something to be said to be able to watch your dog in the open as opposed to in that thick grouse woods so went from there and then and then from there man just traveling with with anyone anyone who wants to go basically is kind of <laughs> kind of what i've done and and i go and we we we've hunted a ton of birds i think at this point with tika you know i i just need you know, we all have that, that list of birds. Right. And, and right now I just need the ptarmigan, some of those Southern quail and, uh, and that'll cover it. I mean, that would, that would be, that would be the end of the list. And, and then the snowcock would be something else, but I'm not going to do that with her. So, um, but we're pretty close. We've been everywhere. We've kind of done it all. And, and she's excelled to, to not necessarily my surprise, but I'm happy that she's excelled in, in every species that we've gone out. She's done her job. She's had some small adjustment periods between, but she's been able to pull it off, which has been awesome. Yeah, man, that you, you covered so much ground right there. Like, I don't even know where to begin on that. The common theme through all that, you know, you, you kept saying everything was different throughout the whole journey, obviously. But the thing that I picked up on was development you got addicted to the development you know it's uh, i call it the light bulb addiction when you start seeing that light bulb go off on the dog after you're trying to work with them and you just see it it's like it, it, we all know it as trainers to where it's just like oh my god this works you know i just spent two or three weeks working on this and they got it and then it's just you can't get that feeling enough and it's just drive 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 uh but that's one thing that i enjoyed kind of meeting you and getting to know you a little bit to where so you put the emphasis on the navda you did the utility you did the invitational but man you're you're you go after it you, you go hunt like it's just like every time i saw you on social media or or you know briefly talking to you however long it's been between like before messages between us it's like you'll be in oregon then you're north dakota then you're michigan and it's just like I'm like, man, what, what birds he chasing next week? It's just like, you know, it's just like, and it goes back to that addiction thing probably. Right. Like, you know, obviously that was part of your job, but like you said, man, you get hooked on going out there and seeing your dog in different habitats, you know, in the grouse woods in the, in Michigan is completely different than on the prairies, which I'm assuming is completely different than the rainforest where you're at. Right. Right. Yeah. The addiction there is, is it's to the train watching her do well in different environments. And then, and then beyond that, you know, I'll say that we can all say the other part of the addiction is going out with new people, going out with friends, going out with new in, in that camaraderie that happens every time, you know, every time you go on a trip with not only your dog, but the new people and their dogs, it's a new adventure. And, and, and you just become addicted to that, that part of it, the, the camaraderie, the adventure and, and just watching the dog put it all together no matter where you're at for sure and i mean that's how we're here talking on this podcast right now because we just randomly you know kind of linked up on a trip last year for a few <laughs> right. days right. and uh i rem i remember you talking last year obviously uh that we went to south dakota directly after the invitational first off before i move on you tika was the dog in the water that the geese flew over on the blind retrieve right am i making that up yeah okay <laughs> no no that was the one so that's when i first met you right we were getting ready for the blind and i'm a good luck charm <laughs> yeah christ i i swear they didn't just fly over they landed directly on her as if she weren't even there I had, I had sent her on that blind and these geese were coming in and that had been an issue from what I've talked to people that yeah. those geese were been in and out of that, out of that kind of that spillway that we were working. And, 
I saw them coming. I could hear them. And I thought, all right, they're going to just fly over because there's no way they're going to land right on, right on a dog. They're going to see them. Right. Mm-hmm. If I got to be in full camo and, you know, barely move, if I'm goose hunting, they're not going to jump right on this dog. Well, sure enough, they all decided to lock up and landed right on her and all, you know, hell broke loose. How I got her off them. I'll never know. But <laughs> yeah, I had to pull her back. Um, and then, you know, we gave it a rest. Um, shoots I, I can't remember his name uh was after me uh who was running um but there's the next guy up and i i mentioned hey just just know that there's some geese that just fell in there check for those before because they wanted to basically let tika go off for a bit and then come back maybe let her mind settle in my mind i'm thinking just let 10 minutes it. isn't going to stop her yeah well 10 minutes isn't going to stop her from True. remembering there's geese there were geese right there right yeah. i mean i've hunted everywhere if, if there were geese one time, I could go back a year later and she'd go look at the same <laughs> spot. You know, that's, that's just how she that, works. That, that's so. a good point. We've all been on hunts and places to where if we go back with our dogs, they're immediately running back to that tree or underbrush that they pointed yeah. a bird last time. That's a good point. I didn't they think know. of it that way. Yeah. They know. Yeah. So I, in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't matter if I go now or not. This is a bust, right? There's no way she's going to go across because there was birds right there and I'm sending her to get a bird. In her mind, she's doing exactly what I'm sending her to do. Right. You know, how am I going to prevent her from going after birds? No, particularly that bird across there up on land. Now that you just seen all these. Ignore that giant bird honking at you landing on your head and go get that dead one across the way. (laughs) Right, right. Now, somehow after I, so I, I came back up, they basically said, you know, clean slate. Here we go. So I sent her the first time and sure enough, she went right to where they were. I had to call her back. And I was like, yeah, that's, I knew. Yeah. They're like, all right, one more try. We'll just see what happens. And here's what it is. I sent her and she went directly across on the land, picked up that duck and came right back. Like she knew where it was the whole damn time. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, it's just <laughs> those things where your heart's just like out of your chest at that point. And, you know, you've had some friends that have had some issues with this already at the invitational yep. and they haven't panned out. And you're like, it's just, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the downfall here. <laughs> and, and sure enough, she went and did it. Yep. And, you know, I was proud as hell and uh, it is what it is, but man, I was, I was like, there's no way. Well, not to pour salt on the wound, but I've used that, that example. I I was pretty sure it was Tika. So I'm glad to know that I've been telling the story the right way, but I've been using that, uh, with, with a couple other stories when people get so upset when training doesn't go right, you know, a training scenario, somebody leaves a duck out, you know, I was guilty of getting mad when everything wasn't set up perfectly, but you go to these tests enough, you see example after example where there's some things that like, you just can't set up for it. You can't train for it. And it's like the more you get the dog used to kind of going with the flow, the better. But there's some things that just, it is what it's it is. Control. Yeah, it's out yeah. of your control. Every time. Well, especially you get to that level, right? You run in the field and you're running in a brace. You can't determine what that dog's like. You know, there's a factor there that you don't know. Um, you know, this last year, the field that I was in, I think, and not only me, the people who ran, but the judges that were there can confidently say that that grass was too long. You know, there was some miscommunication there. And that was something that we just hadn't, you know, hadn't planned for. And it's just right. one of those things. There's always a factor. There's always a factor that, you know, you can't train for every single scenario. Now, if you can, then you probably, you got to, you got a perfect testing dog is the way I like to say it because <laughs> there there's, there's a difference between a perfect dog and a perfect testing dog. And there's, yeah. you know, there's reasons for both. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, when you're talking in the testing realm, there's always things you can't, you can't predict and you just have to get your dog as prepared for anything that happens as you can. And that day, just run it and go and, and how it falls, it falls and don't be mad, go hunt it. You know, you just trained your ass off for all, all year put it to work and let's really do the real thing and let's find these real birds that are out there and let's, let's have a blast. Exactly. So you bought a hunting dog, you trained it for a hunting test. Now it's time to go hunt. And, uh, and and that's the perfect segue. And that's kind of why, you know, for those listening, it's like, all right, you know, cool, cool dog story, cool Tika story. But like, what's that got to do with the subject here? And what it is, is you just talked about the entire like build up for Tika and her resume for both testing and hunting. She's proven on both. She may not have reached the top quote unquote level of NAVDA and passed that invitational, but you know, not all, all dogs do, but what you just said, the priority here is quality hunting dogs. That's what we're after. And I remember last year you made a couple, uh, you're making a few comments about you're considering breeding her and, uh, Fast forward to today, you have puppies on the ground. And so, you know, they're here. Yeah. <laughs> they're here. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of ground to cover from the invitational to now, but mo- mostly, like, I want to know, like, what your, your frame of mind on all this to where, you know, I know you went out there with a goal. You went there to pass. You didn't work your ass off to, to go, go not fail, uh, you know, but right. right. That didn't, swerve you from changing your overall goals and considerations with moving forward with your plans and breeding her and all that. So I want to get your mindset on, on all that as you move forward to take that plunge into first time pointer and short hair owner to now a first time breeder. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the first thing is considering breeding her, it happened because of all that stuff. It was, it was only on my radar after she had proven that she, you know, she was worth breeding, you know, in my mind, I'm not, I'm not a breeder. I I'm breeding specifically for, you know, me selfishly, I wanted a pup and I wanted it from her because I am, am a fan of how she operates. And, and I wanted another dog from that line specifically. Now, had she not been that great or she hadn't done that, that well in a lot of these things, I probably wouldn't have considered it. It was one of those things where, she's got to prove herself before that, because I want to make sure that if I'm going to breed this dog and I'm going to bring other dogs into this world, that they are doing the breed, the GSP breed justice. That was, that was a big thing for me. So, you know, first was getting there, you know, and then as far as like passing the invitational or not, that was not a, that was not a determining factor for me at that time. I think anyone who's gone and is trained and been ready for that, they know that their dog has it in them to pass because they've gotten them to that level. They've had the, you know, whether it be through training throughout that time, they've seen the dog capable of doing all the things that are required. Now, whether or not they put it together on that day, that's a different story. So I knew that she was capable of it and whether some mistakes on me, some mistakes on her that day didn't matter. I was going to breed her. Now, the other thing was just, you know, finding, finding a male that, that not only uh, was equally as, as good in the field and, and testing, but also in the home, you know, that's a big thing. We all talk about that. I mean, our dogs, my dog Tika is a house dog. She's, she sleeps in the bed. She's spoiled rotten. She's all that. And, and that's where she is most of the time, as much as I hunt, she's still in the house way more than we're hunting. So having a dog uh, next that also has, that was important in finding a male that was very similar, similar to that 
was important as well. So, you know, I, I was lucky. I, I mentioned uh, Daryl Purnett and he had a male Jager that, you know, is the embodiment of all those things. Um, I, I had had the opportunity to hunt with, with Jager. I had had the opportunity to actually train with Jager and on multiple occasions, I actually ran Jager, you know, Daryl would say, Hey, you know, grab Jager for me. I said, hell yeah. Because I knew he would listen. He was very biddable. And, and then in the house, you know, Daryl and I are friends. We'd, we'd go after training and we'd have some whiskey and cigars and we'd hang out. And I was watch that dog just roll up on the couch and not care about anything in the world. So seeing that in him and knowing where Tika was, it was, it was a no brainer. I was going to go with, with Jager. And, and obviously he's a VC and, you know, and he's got, uh, he's got some, uh, he's got some of that AKC stuff that he's done. And I, and I think he's almost, almost done passing. Is it FC with Nastra? Is that what it is? I believe so. And don't worry, Nastra guys, Nastra guys, it's on my list to touch on. So don't, don't hit me up if we just got that wrong. All right. And, and I think, and I want to, too, I want I got, that's actually my next thing I want to dive into is Nastra. I like the, I like the competition aspect of it a little bit more. And from what I hear, it's, it's competition, but it's very, a bunch of good guys that are very good about competition as well. And not in, in knowing that it's like, it's a day, it's not, that's what determines the dog. It's that day, how did that dog do? And you're competing and you can mess up and stuff like that. And I like that aspect of the human aspect of it as well, that I have to be good at something, not just exactly. You know, it's a, it, it's actually that, a team. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you because yeah. it, I'm intrigued for it. Not so much for the competition, but what you just said is it's, it, it keeps me in line as well as the dogs too. It's like, it's not all summer, just train the dog, train the dog, train the dog. And then it's like, Oh dog, you failed. And it's like, no, we're in this together. Uh, I'm with you, but yeah, it's, it, you know, finding the right match in the sire is just as important as building the, the single sire or dam, whether whichever one you have, you know, it's only half of the equation, obviously, you know, for those that didn't right. understand that it's half the equation. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was important. So I'm curious, you said that there were a lot of similarities, at least inside the house between both dogs. Did you guys weigh the, the shortcomings of both? Did y'all kind of try and match that up as well? Yeah. So that was the thing. So when I looked at it and I think, I think most people that breed will stand by this as well. You know, there's always these things where you're like, okay, my dog is, is good at this, but bad at this. So I need to find, you know, some people are like, well, I need to find a male you know, in my case, cause I have the female that is actually good at that thing that my dog's bad at. Well, let's be real. If you do that, you're probably going to end up with both the bad things. Exactly. So yeah. the way, the way I leaned on it is they, they were both good in the field. They both had the range that I liked for, for, you know, chucker hunting. Cause I was able to do that. Um, with Jager, you know, they both had that, that bit ability that they're able to be trainable They're They listen. Um, you know, it, the only thing I would say that, that Jager, um, it excels at further than Tika where they're not kind of at that same level playing field is probably his bit of bit ability. He's very trainable, very easy to work with where Tika, she's kind of, I, I like to call her a two command dog. She, <laughs> she, she knows the command. She knows what she's supposed to do. But she wants to make sure you mean it. And I've never not meant it, but she will test me every time. Yeah. And they might just be a female thing as opposed to a male. I don't know. But that's where she's always had that where, you know, I, I watched Jager in the field, watched him being trained and everything else. And he just listens right away. Now, that that's either a compliment to Jager or a compliment to, to Daryl's training. And I would say it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, but that's where that's where they maybe differ a little bit. 
Um, but other than that, you know, their, their mannerisms in the field, I really, you know, I enjoy watching. We hunted them both together. But when I say together, what I liked is they're both very independent dogs. They, okay. they stay, you know, you know, Tika would be over here. She'd work that cover. Jager would be working that cover. And there wasn't a whole lot of overlap. You know, Tika trusted that Jager was covering that. Jager tr- trusted that Tika covered that. And they, they worked on their own, but together, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I like. Just that independence, um, you know, kind of running their own show. That's what I want in a dog. So do your own thing. And, and, you know, regardless who else's dogs out there, whatever it is, you're just, you're hunting, you're doing your job right now. Get after it. That's sort of thing. So, yeah. And it's funny you, you mentioned and you, and you describe like the oversimplification and I was guilty of this when I first got into the world. It's like, okay, you don't have a dog that points very well. You know, it's a bad pointer. Well, just match it up with a great pointer and, the, and breed them and you're good to go. And it's like, all right, if, if you really think about it, and Ethan said this on the episode I did with Standing Stone not too long ago, and he kind of put it in the right words to where just mathematically, if that makes sense in your head to where it's a balancing act, what you do is you take a great pointer over here and you take a poor pointer over here. Mathematically, you're going to end up with an okay pointer. You know, and yeah, and are you exactly. after breeding okay qualities, or are you after uh you know, like you said, doing the breed justice? This doesn't just go with short hairs. This goes with all of it, and that's kind of what I was why I was excited to talk to you about because, like you said, you're not trying to be a breeder, but you're also not your backyard breeder, quote unquote, that's just pushing out litters five times a year right. and charging four hundred bucks a pup, right? It's uh it's more intentional right. than that, and uh, Daryl. I don't know Daryl very well. We've had him on and, and he was on episode 91, the backing and honoring. And you go listen to that. It's like, you kind of get a sense for the, the quality trainer and dog guy he is, you know, he, he's got it. Right. And so a guy like that kind of helping you and matching, matching what you have, uh, that would make me feel comfortable with, with doing the breeding as well. I mean, you put it all together. That was really my goal. My goal, cause here's it. I mean, at the end of the day, once again, it was a selfish thing. And selfishly, mm-hmm. I want a really good bird dog. And I'm and I can't do that by breeding bad, bad. bird dogs. Yeah. So exactly. So that the idea is by by this, I want a dog, but I want it to be if I can make it better than Tika, then I win. If I can make it just as good as Tika, I win. You know, that sort of thing. I want it, I want that dog to be a well-rounded, well-rounded GSP. And and this was a great option to do that. And I'm I'm stoked about this litter. I mean, right now they're at three weeks and it's three weeks today. And man, they're, they're already sharp. They're like keying in. You can see them looking at things, exploring, and just, just like understanding things at, at this pace that's faster than anything you ever seen. And I don't have kids, right? So when, I, yeah. when I'm watching them and I'm watching them like just key in on things and I'm like, they're learning. They're learning right yeah. now. I can see them just like growing and learning. And it's really fun. It's really fun to see them. And I'm, and I'm, I'm stoked about this litter because I can see each one of them kind of developing already, even at three weeks where they're really, you know, there, hell, there's one that I know. Uh, I haven't decided if I want it yet or not, <laughs> but it's going to be the har- hardest charging female out there. Like it is, it is like it, it's it's about medium size. They're all about the same size, of course, which is good. But it's got it's maybe just a touch smaller, but maybe just because it's a female, and and it's just a hard charger. It is it is one first one to play. If I enter the room, it's the first one up, like looking for me, that sort of thing. And it's three weeks, like it's just it's keying in on everything. So there's a lot of every one of them's kind of got their own character they're developing, and it's going to make it hard for me to choose. Which I I'm still not sure how I'm going to do it. It's a good problem but, to have, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I'm stoked about every one of them because they're, they're all, they're all showing, showing promise even at just three weeks. Yeah. So I'm excited. Well, man, so you decide you, you, you find the right sire, you, you find the right breeding partner in Daryl. Uh, so, you know, she comes and shows you the stick. She's pregnant, right? And what's going through your mind then? How are we preparing? Do you have the right vet already lined up? You know, kind of walk me through your mindset is like, crap. All right. It's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. So let's actually take a step back to before. So she's in heat, right? And at this point, her heat cycle is actually three months behind when I predicted it to be, which which blew my mind. Because... Oddly enough, speaking of the invitational, um, she was not supposed to go into heat. She went into heat. Remember then? Remember she was in the cabin, and, and I couldn't. She went into heat that next day after the after we ran, and that threw me for a loop. Now I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of other people I could talk talk to that about maybe some pressures that may have caused it or whatever else. But that switched up when I assumed uh, she would go into heat. So it was a little bit of a mystery for me when she was going to. So when she did. I was like, okay, here we go. We got to get some stuff done. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Daryl and he's like, well, why don't, you know, cause I'm, I'm freaking out. Right? Like, we got to get this done. I don't know. We got to go. And he's like, well, why don't you call up the vet and get a progesterone test? And of course I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, what is that? And then I'm like, looking around, I'm like oh, that makes sense. Let's figure it out. So I'm calling around. The the interesting thing about moving out here for, you know, and, and then having to read, you know, myself, I had to call a dentist today um, and I hadn't had a dentist out here. I've been trying to find one of those. And you know, so everything's new, doctors, dentists, veterinarians. Now, I mentioned wanting to get out of the busyness. Well, part of that is this Portland area is is great in many ways, but in some other ways, it's not so great. You know, when I'm talking about when I'm talking about breeding a dog and I'm going to these vets, I find some and they're not keen on it. They, some, a lot of the vets, you mean you didn't spay and neuter your dog. Exactly. That yeah. sort of thing, you know, and, and I had to kind of shop around and find one that, you know, I'm used to Michigan. I have, I have family that are veterinarians and, and they do large animal veterinarian, you know, for, for livestock and that sort of thing. So they very in tune with this sort of thing where now I'm here and I'm getting a little bit of a, you know, almost a judgmental pass when I'm bringing in for this progesterone test. So, so I finally, I found some, I got it done and she was super late as far as like in a heat cycle when, when she finally uh, started ovulating. So I honestly, I spent a bunch of money trying to <laughs> doing these progesterone tests to finally get it narrowed down. And I'm driving, you know, Daryl's three hours away from me up in near Seattle. So I'm driving back and forth all the time when we think it's going to be there or I can't get a test now, but it was at this point. So it probably should be, well, then come to find out it's not. And I've just driven. It was, it was a mess. I was, I, I swear for a good two weeks, my time was just dictated by Tika's obvious. It, it was the <laughs> wildest thing. It was the wildest thing. So that's that. Also, you know, anyone who does do this, the progesterone tests are great, great to tell you. But when you talk to your vet, make sure that they understand that you are going to do it the natural way and not artificial or, you know, side by side or anything like that. That's something that I didn't, uh, I guess I didn't, I didn't let them know enough. And apparently the numbers can be a little bit different based okay. on which way you're trying to do it, you know, when, when it, when it's good to go. So, so something, if anyone's looking at that, make sure you let your vet know that and they understand it. So that you guys are all on the same page. That's a, that was a big thing. Um, yeah. So then from there, we finally got it done. That was an odd thing. Uh, I actually spent, uh, 
a couple days up at Daryl's with, with Jager. And, you know, he was working and I was trying to get these dogs to tie and, and it wasn't working out, wasn't working out. And, um, we said, we said, all right, we're going to do a side-by-side and the vet was closer to me. So I took Jager and I got, I got back to my house and I said, well, we'll give it a shot here. And basically as soon as we got out of the truck with both of them, they tied here. It was, it was like, Tika had to be comfortable at her house. That's what it was. So home turf and, and from what game. I, yeah. Yeah. And from what I've heard, it's always the opposite. The male needs to be the more comfortable. I, so right. that was new to me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what I heard. So I was going off from what I'd known and, and what people had said, but everything's a little different, but we finally got it, got a tie. And then we got a tie the next morning and I figured two is good. Um, and, and we went from there now, now she's pregnant and, we're waiting, you know, we're just, we're, we're playing the waiting game. We're getting ready, um, you know, getting in touch with the vet, calling everybody I know about what, what kind of things I, I need, things like that. I talked to um, Jennifer Wapinski. They just had a litter uh, that, I, you know, and all of theirs are gone. And she was, she was an awesome asset. I, you know, many thanks to her. She sent me an Amazon list of all the things that she bought. Like, here's what you need. Here's what you need. Here's what you need. Just laid it out for me, you know, that sort of thing. And that was great. We have all that stuff. We had it. And, and now, now we got all the tools and it didn't have, I didn't have to work that hard because she was generous enough to offer that. Um, But, you know, whelping things. I learned from a lot of people. I was talking to um, Courtney Bastion who does, uh, uh, bird dog, dog babe, babe yeah podcast yeah exactly and you know and courtney's great they had she mentioned something about costco having those garden garden planters and how they make a great whelping box and i was like yeah that is. i just saw there them on go. sale i'm gonna go pick one up there it is you know those sort of things and just having all the right tools you know yeah and and that's that's what we went through and we got it all ready and and then and then you know i it was uh you know three weeks ago where it was actually my wife and I's anniversary and we didn't exactly plan anything because we knew Tika was getting very close. We knew it was, you know, it was coming based on that, you know, that 63 day mark, I think. Yeah. And, and she was early. She was, she was about seven days early and I, we were, it was our anniversary and I was like, well, let's just take her temperature. Let's just see. And, you know, she was, she was below where she needed to be or below her normal, which tells you, Hey, it's basically coming 24 hours. And I was like, all right, here we go. Um, and Tika was great about it. She is about four in the morning. She comes in, she gives me like, she comes in the bedroom at the end of the bed and she gives us like a little, yep, yep. Just kind of yells at us a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, well, maybe she's got to the bathroom. Well, I let her out and I, and I didn't, you know, it's dark and I can kind of see her and I, and I let her back in. And then I see on the ground inside the house, I'm like there's just blood everywhere. And I, and I run back in and I get my wife and I said, I think the puppies are coming. Well, she goes out there because I'm getting my contacts in and, you know, trying to make sure I can see everything else. And uh, she goes out there and she yells at me. She goes, Nate, I hear something outside. Well, sure enough, she had that first puppy, right? She, when I went, when I let her out to go to the bathroom, she wasn't going to the bathroom. She let that first puppy out uh, just like that, you know? So we went and grabbed it. Luckily, it was enough time. It was perfect, nice and healthy. First one was a male. And then it was on, right? So we were there for the next six hours and she spit out nine of them. And, and, and now, now we got puffs, you know, yelping every day. <laughs> nine, man, nine pups. That, that, that's a healthy litter right there. That's, that, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a big size litter. You know, you five or six is a, is a healthy litter for most people. Nine is for short hairs. That's a pretty good size litter. So 
you have nine puppies on the ground now. Like it's like it's no longer down the road. It's no longer next week. Maybe it's just like nope. Talk talk to me about like the delivery. You know, she had the first puppy out in the yard. Are y'all up all night? You know, I I can only relate to stories that I've been told, and and then you know you see the occasional story on Instagram or whatever of somebody kind of going through it. Walk me through it. it. It looks like you're up all night as if you are having a kid or something. Yeah. You know, the nice thing was she, it wasn't until 4am. So by, by any means we, we got, we got some good, we got some decent sleep in before it happened, which was great. Um, and then it was, it was six hours from there, kind of one every about 20, 20 minutes, half hour, uh, coming out. Um, you know, you start worrying about things, you, you know, one comes out in the sack, one comes out, out of the sack. There's not placenta, this one. And the, you know, as it you start getting on Google and that's the worst rabbit hole you can ever do, but you know, you get on there and you're like, okay, um, you know, placenta, you know, that's not a good thing if it stays inside, keep it, keep, you know, her temperature, figure out if she's having a fever and then talk to some friends and they're like, yeah, my dog did it too. And then throughout the next couple of weeks, you know, she slowly got rid of it, that sort of thing. And that's, that's kind of what's happened and it's been fine. Um, but yeah, we went through it. They were all healthy. We, we made sure, you know, they, they did all the ne- things they needed to got, got on a nipple really quick so they could get that, get, the, get that, um, back to antibacteria, your, you know, that sort of stuff out of the way. So they're, they're healthy. And, and then from there, uh, you know, we ran, we actually, we ran into a hiccup, which was, which was interesting. And I, and I couldn't figure it out. Now, um, she, she had them all. They, they were great at the beginning. And then later that day, we're like, all right, we're going to get in there. She's got to take care of these pups. They got a nurse. She's not having it with the pups. Slow coming around to being the mother. Yeah, she's, yeah, almost, you know, aggressive, growling at him, things like that. And she's a little older. So that was my first thought is she's older. Maybe she's got to get used to this, whatever. Well, it, it continued. We got, you know, I talked to, talked to Jen again and she said, well, maybe get her a muzzle. And that's what we were doing. We, I would muzzle her each time. I would take her in there to nurse, that sort of thing, and just watch her with them, that sort of thing. Well, I, my wife and I are kind of, we're like, this is, this sucks. Cause every two hours we're waking up to get these puppies to nurse and throughout the day. And this lasts for a couple of days right off the gate. And in my mind, I'm like, we can't continue to do this. There's gotta be a solution. Well, something's going on with her. You know, this isn't, this isn't right. Now some people have dealt with this. So I started asking around and um, I ended up getting in contact with a breeder out of Michigan who actually breeds wines, uh, bred my parents wine that they have now. Her name's Camille Rice. And, um, she said, she said, calcium, like confidently as hell. She's like, dogs got a calcium deficiency. See it all the time. They're going to be aggressive. They're not, they're not having it with the pups because they're calcium deficient. She's like, grab some tongue. She's like, grab some tums. Give her some tums. Give her some tums. Get that calcium. And I'm like, okay, I'll take your advice. Sure enough. We gave her tums and within an hour, completely different dog nursing those pups. No problem. Not no aggression, nothing. It was it was calcium. We ended up getting just, just like that, that quick. Just it, it was just it was just a matter of finding the right person with the right experience who's probably gone through it before. Just that quick, boom! And it's like you've already been talking. Th- this is this is why it's so important to talk about this stuff because it's like that right there. Something as simple as something you're pulling your hair out trying to fix, and it's like here's some tums. <laughs> and, and it's yeah, it's, yeah. You some tums. I'm like tums i take those after i drink too much whiskey what's that gonna do you know what's happening here so we give her some tums yeah she's a great dog all of a sudden you know there's no muzzle needed and, Heck yeah. and you're, the the hard thing was right so it's not just nursing nursing we you know we could have gone forever 
muzzling her and just having them nurse, but they, they can't, they can't poop or pee on their own, right? They right. need that stimulation from them all. So instead of that, we're having to take each one, get a little wet cloth and stimulate each yeah. one after each time. Cause we can't, we don't want to get constipated that sort of thing. And I'm like, this can't go on forever. We, there's gotta be a solution. So we start calling around and sure enough, yeah, just that calcium and everything night and day, whole new dog. She's a great mom, all that. She's doing all the things she was supposed to be doing. So just, you know, just a small little tidbit that I, I would right. have never known had I not asked around. Yeah. But that that's fantastic because I mean, it's stuff like that. Now everybody's listening to it. The first time they go, it's just like Tums, just have some Tums yeah. ready on hand. Yeah. I'm, or I think, so what we end up getting is Dr. Roy's is what they are. They're Dr. Roy, uh, calcium dog chews is what we ended up okay. ordering on Amazon King the next day. They eat them a lot easier than Tom. She wasn't a big fan of those. So I had to wrap them, but that, and then I heard like craft singles from some people, just give them some cheese. Cause there's a ton of calcium in that. And we started doing that and it was great. Yeah. Well, I got a, a one of my oldest friends that kind of got me into the dog world. Uh, he, he's a lab guy. Uh, he always has Tums on hand for his dogs. You know, when you're traveling and they got that upset stomach, that anxious stomach, you know, uh, that a lot of dogs get when you're doing long-term travel, uh, he just throws a couple Tums their way and it just cleans it right up. And uh, so, obviously, Tums, keep it in your uh, first aid kit, guys. It's that There's some uses. So. What are some of the other things? You know, you got the whelping box that Courtney suggested to you. You got the Tums later on. Uh, what are some of the other things that everybody was, like, unanimous? All right, you got to have this. You got to be prepared for X, Y, and Z. Because I know that while it, the delivery sounds like it went pretty smooth, that there are a lot of things that can go wrong. So, I'm sure you were prepared. Sure. Yeah. You know, the other thing was just, a, I don't even know what it is. The little, the little bulb we use for kids, right? The it's nose photos, sucker thing. Like yeah. Yeah. Nose sucker, that thing. So if they're not breathing or something like you can suck that, that stuff out of them right away so they can breathe as soon as they're out. And, and, you know, some of, some people say, you know, use it if you need to, we use it on everyone. We just, if there is some, we're getting be it safe. out right now. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Be safe. Um, so that was one of the things, you know, having towels, we went, we went to every, you know, Goodwill around the area and bought as many trash towels as we could find. Um, just because we know this process is going to be messy. It still is. It's getting messier, you know. So having those, that was another big thing. Um, you know, from there, you know, the delivery, the mom, you know, Tiki did most of the work. So it was good. Now, now I know having your vet on, you know, on hand is always the other thing, making sure, you know, the vet knows what's going on and everything else. So in case you got a call and, and do all that stuff. Now, the other thing is we were going in blind a little bit because the x-ray was actually scheduled for the day she gave, she, she gave birth. So I was not sure how many pups were there. Uh, so that was the other thing, just, you know, making well, sure and, all came know, out all yeah. The, uh, yeah exactly that sort of thing so so that was good that it, it happened but there was there was some room for error for sure and it was just you know a little bit of ill-prepared on my part probably should have had that x-ray done a little sooner and and part of that was once again veterinarians not being able to get in there's their swamp that sort of thing so it is what it is but you know now i guess the other thing was oh you know that i built which you see in every one. And, and I think some old school people don't do it as much anymore or don't do it. But now I think everyone kind of does is that, that rail kind of that four inch rail that goes around the whelping box. So the mom isn't rolling over on pups when you're not there and that sort of thing. Um, so I built that out of PVC and, and put that in there. And, and yeah, from there, you know, with GSPs, this 
Next thing, you know, you got, you got three to five days, you got to get those tails docked. You got to get dew claws. So making sure you're on the schedule for that and getting that done. I was going to ask, did you take, did you go to the vet or did you DIY that? I didn't DIY. You know, I, I've seen all the videos. First time, go do it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and I was very hesitant on, cause I really wanted it to be done. Right. Right. I really wanted that exact 40% on each pup, uh, for their tail docks because, you know, Tika's is a little short, you know, whoever that, did hers I was just, a little short. I was just about to say, you know, people like that, they think that it's an easy thing, but I mean, I've seen, you've seen so many short hairs to where it's just like, did they dock the tail at all? It's like they took off like an, you know, an inch by the time it's all full grown. And then you get the ones that are just little nubs and it's just like, all right, (laughs) you know, it's, there is a right and a wrong way to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and both, both Jager and Tiga, we, you know, they both had shorter tails than we would have liked. So I'm there and the vet, vet's kind of annoyed with me, right? Cause she's, I, I open it up, right. The AKC, exactly what it's supposed to be 40 percent, and then I, I got a little tape measure and i'm like <laughs> you know we're doing we're doing math on each one and she's like look and she's like this guy you know and i just want to do my job and i'm like nope we're gonna measure each one of these we're gonna, yeah. measure. We're gonna measure that thing i'm like we're gonna get it right you know and, and obviously there's still room you know because they're growing so even if you think you got it right then it's like you don't know because it might grow this way or might you know that sort of thing so well i, I was i was talking to a long-term uh, short hair breeder and uh you know he he's done his fair share and and i remember the conversation somebody looked at him and was like man how do you measure the tail docking because you know, another guy that's done like three litters he just couldn't get it right one was too long one was too short and it was everything in between and the guy looked at him he was like sharpie cap and it's like what and he's like just take the sharpie cap put it and mark it right there he's like i'm telling you it's like it works out every time i've never pulled out a tape measure i've never thought any further than that it's just a sharpie cap i'm like all right that's interesting like <laughs> I, I don't it pull i'm 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 like you pull out a tape measure double check it make sure but i thought it was interesting but at the same time and thinking about it you know thinking of the size of a sharpie cap if i were to hold that up to all those pups that we measured man, it probably would have been pretty damn close Yeah, on each one of them. So he, he might be onto something there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what about dew claws? Where'd you land on the dew claws? Do you have them done at the same time? I did. Yeah, I had them done at the same time. Um, I know, you know, I, most most short hairs get them taken off. Um, I, I don't know if uh, the DKs do or not. I know within the German realm, some of them may keep it on. I'm not, not exactly familiar, but I know, you know, like uh, – Jen and Joe's, they're, they're German longhars. Those ones, they keep them on. So that's, that's required to keep them on with theirs. So, but these ones are off and, um, you know, Tigas were off and that's kind of what I heard from everybody. So I just kind of stuck, stuck with that yeah. from what I understand. I, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on it. Someone might be like, what the hell, why'd you do that? But I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's how it goes with these ones. So, yeah. I'm, so, a, I'm yeah. a little curious. Did the vet give you any crap about that? No. No, so I that's uh, to go to respond more to the vet thing. I ended up finding a vet. It's a little ways out of my way, which was perfect. In fact, the first time I went there for a progesterone test, they had domesticated turkeys that we almost had a debacle on our hands. They were, I mean, it was at a farm, right? And I get Tika out, and I hadn't hooked her on the lead yet, and I just kind of like let her jump out of the crate. Well, she turned, and I didn't even see him, but there were three domestic toms at the front of my truck. And she was on like right away. And I was like, Oh, 
this is <laughs> and I, a great had start. I not been able to, <laughs> yeah had i not been able to woe her I, we would have had turkeys everywhere now i this last time so we went back to the same vet but they they were in the process of building a new spot when we were doing the progesterone stuff and it was just down the road now it's open now so we went and did the tailbacking and everything there and i mentioned them those birds and they're like those birds have been bit by every dog that's run through there and they're still alive. They're the hardiest <laughs> birds and i'm like I had no idea. I'm worried. I'm like, they're going to take those things. She's going to take these out. It's going to be all sorts of trouble. But, but I was in that atmosphere and it very much felt like home where it was like, it's a farm vet. They understand things. They got this, they, you know, it's, I wasn't getting any pushback at that point. They were, they were very much on, on board. In fact, one of them, there is an AKC judge for uh, missing the term, but basically just how the, how the dogs look and how they're supposed to be. So, uh, you know, so she was there while we were doing the tail docking and everything else, which put me at ease as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. How's the puppy buyer search going? You know, it, you, you hear all these horror stories from breeders and, and finding the right homes for the right dogs. And like you said, you prioritize hunting and, and what these dogs are bred for and doing the breed justice. How's it been trying to locate the right homes for the pups? It's been, it's been good. We're still, we still have like, as of today and, and what is today? It's the, uh, you know, it's the 15th, right? So, uh, as of today, I still have, I still have four pups left. I have, I have three females and one male. Um, but the ones that have been spoken for, um, you know, I, I have some, some friends obviously that were able to put it out. You know, one of my, one of my friends, uh, is Seth, he has the bird dog of the day account on Instagram there. He put it out, which got some interest. You know, I put it out on some of the NAVDA pages, put it out on my own page with garnish some interest. And, um, you know, I, I got, you know, right away, I got a guy uh, here in Oregon that Chucker hunts quite a bit. He's got two short hairs already. Uh, you know, great guy, great home, you know, it's going to hunt, you know, I, I, I don't think he does a whole lot of testing, but he's going to hunt that dog. He's going to use that dog and he's going to use it. Well, um, I have another, I have a friend of mine, um, that was planning to get a dog from the very beginning, uh, that I, he, they had a short hair. Um, unfortunately, you know, some issues came up and that dog, we were actually with them. The dog passed away on the 4th of July, same age as my female. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll speak to it a little bit, you know, they, they found out it had a heart condition due to a, a, a gluten-free diet that they were suggested by a vet and, you know, no blame to them whatsoever. You know, a vet tells you to do something, you trust it. And, uh, you know, they found that out. And, and unfortunately by the time it happened, it was a little late and no, for the fourth, it was out running and, um, yeah, we, we couldn't get it back. And, and that was why it actually, it, it passed, which was, was devastating to them. And, and, you know, they're still recovering from that, but they are very much looking forward to, uh, looking forward to getting the pup. And, and I know they're going to be a great home for that dog. And, and I, I can't wait for them to have that and kind of fill that void that they have in the home right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and then from there, you know, I got some, I got some uh, looks from a lot of different people. Uh, and there's a there's a guy out of Alabama that's going to grab one. And he's which is which is going to be fun because you know I haven't hunted down there in that area, kind of that that plantation area. Are you co- are you coming down here at all? Are you delivering that pup by chance? 
No, I'm not. He's coming here. He actually already bought his ticket. He sent it the other day. Okay. And, uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited for him to grab it, but I'm also excited that it's going there because you know an opportunity to get that way and and then see that pop hunt. And I'll probably make my way over there and and uh, and give it a shot because it's been on my list of things to do. Well, so, you you let me yeah. know when you decide to come down this way, and 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 we'll, we'll link you up for some kind of hunting. I mean, we definitely don't have what you guys have up there, but we can put you on some birds for sure. I I want to get over there. Just try something different. Yeah. It's a, it's an area that country i haven't given a given an opportunity yet and i want to i want to give it a shot well real quick as, as we kind of start wrapping this up i gotta kind of get in the mindset of you know first time breeder there's a lot of questions a lot of information how how do you go about uh pricing coming up with stipulations do you have any stipulations you know it's a first time pairing first time breeding like all that stuff how does somebody go about putting a fair value on everything that goes into it because let's face it nobody retires off of breeding dogs they they, they just don't you know people can see that sticker value they can get skeptical all they want but you know when you add in all the amount of training and all the vets and all everything that goes into raising and, and training a dog and then plus throwing a litter and all that all the extra costs on that i i have to ask like did it, is that something that you and Daryl talked about or, or, you know, just kind of walk me through that whole process going through that for the first time? Yeah, it's tough. Right. Uh, and there's, there's a lot to weigh. There's a lot to, cause there's, there's different factors, obviously above everything else is making sure at, at the most that we can, that these, these dogs end up in great homes. And that's, that's important. Now, part of that is, I think sometimes having a little bit higher price because it weeds out those that are, that are truly committed and those that aren't. Yeah. Um, and then, but then also being able to justify that as well, you know, with, with the pairing that you chose, you know, does this dog show that it, you know, do these two dogs show that they are going to put it out? Are they healthy? Or do they have everything that they need to show that these are going to be two, two dogs to breed and these dogs are going to be good at what they are bred to do, you know, and, and look at those. So, you know, we talked about it. We looked at fair market. The one thing I'll say is I, I've had some conversations with people that haven't bought bird dogs before, but they bought domestic dogs. And I'll tell you this, I think you could have the highest price bird dog in the world. And, and someone who's bought a doodle before would be like, that's cheap as hell, you yeah. know, cause these, you know, we're selling mutts out there for, for, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars, uh-huh. you know, these really, and the, so I'm looking at, you know, this price and, and the, the other thing was, um, you know, so, so we, we, you know, we landed, uh, right at 1750 is what we did. Um, you know, 1750 bucks with a $200 deposit. And the reason I did the deposit, uh, is because I, I want someone to, I, I don't, I don't want to go through the wish wash. I will give you all the information you want on the, on these dogs. I will send you every picture in the world because God knows I'm going to be taking pictures anyway. Right. So I will send you all that. I'll give you all the updates. I will do whatever I can to put your mind at ease. If you're away, all of those things, I want to be a part of this process with you, but I want to know that when you've committed, you've committed and we're going to do this. You know, I don't want to, all right, I'm not. And then, all right, it gets down to the week and now I'm stuck with, you know, six pups and now I got to kind of start that over again. So that's why we did the deposit. Um, But it's all in good faith, that sort of thing. And then, you know, other stipulations as far as breeding these dogs, you know, 
if, if you wanted to take it and breed it, my biggest thing is making sure first, just like anyone would do is, you know, are there anything mutation wise, anything wrong with that pup? If there is, then the stipulation is we're not, you're not breeding that dog. You know, we're not, we're not doing anything to hurt that. I will put that on there. I will sell it for cheaper. Absolutely. I don't care. I want it to go to a good home, but we want to make sure that you're not breeding that dog and making other dogs worse. So if there's anything wrong so far, nothing, you know, you know, nothing wrong with any of these pups that I've seen or the vet have seen. So, so that's a big thing as well, but that's something I know people have put on in the past because we don't, if it's, if something's genetically not there, then we don't want to keep breeding it. So yeah. And that, and that really, that really was it. Those are the, those are the things that, uh, that we weighed out we weighed out the price and, and the price, you know, is what it is based on the, the male and the female and the, and the time that we've put in and where they've gotten and kind of to prove that these pups are going to be capable of doing the same if you're willing to put the time in with them. Now that it's all said and done, puppies are on the ground. You're you're three weeks in right now, so you're getting about halfway. You're hitting that halfway mark here soon. Uh, overall, what what are you grading it as versus you know expectations versus reality? Is it everything that you hoped it'd be? Is it better or worse? Is it exciting? Like, are you already thinking like, man, I wouldn't mind doing this again? Or are you like, you know what, I'm good. I, one time and I'm out. One time, and the next time I do it is going to be if the, if the female that I keep shows out to be great and gets about the same age, we're going to do the same. Th- we're going to do it again. We're there just going to keep running that way. But no, I am saying that after this, it's it's a ton of work. First off, anyone who wants to start, it's a ton of work. It's a ton of planning. It's a ton of money. Like you said, no one's getting rich off from breeding breeding good dogs. It's just it's it's not in it. It takes a lot of time, effort, money. You add it all up, you're not making any money. Um, if you're doing it for that, you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons that sort of thing. So in my mind, um, so I know I have no intentions of doing more of these or anything like that. I'm ready to get this pup and start training. I'm ready to start it over again. I'm ready to start the process and and work with a younger one, learn from the mistakes that I made with Tika and try not to make those same mistakes with this one and, and see how it goes. That's what I'm, that's what I'm excited about. Man, is there anything else that you can think of on this whole experience? You know, the journey from getting Tika ready and matching her up to puppies on the ground to puppies going home here soon. Is there anything else that we didn't really touch on or, or did we, you think we kind of captured it at the thousand foot elevation anyway? I think we captured it. I think I think just, just like a lot of people I know or a lot of people that I've surrounded myself with at this point, a dog is an amazing thing and it can it can change a lot of things in your life and, and it's an exciting journey if you let it happen and and I encourage anybody who's interested in hunting and obviously your listeners are to keep working with their dog and, and enjoy every second of that journey because every moment of it counts and it's just going to make you happier as you watch that dog grow. So it's going to, it's a fun time. Keep, keep at it. That sort of thing. Well, man, uh, go ahead and plug all your stuff where they can find you, all, all your cool pictures and everything that you do. Uh, you do have a fun Instagram. I mean, I, I enjoy following along, even though, you know, uh, we, we go too long without messaging each other or whatever. But I do enjoy following along. And so uh, tell everybody where they can find you and we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as Instagram's concerned, Facebook, it's just at Nathaniel Akey. Um, so it's just my full name. Um, you know, you can also email me from there too. If you have any questions, Nathaniel Akey at gmail.com. Pretty easy to get in touch with me and, uh, always, always want to talk dogs, always want to talk birds and, and always want to talk photography. So if you have any questions on any of that, feel free to reach out. Love to help. Yeah. We didn't even talk about photography. We'll have to have you back on and talk, talk <laughs> photography at some point. We'll save that for when you come down to Alabama and go woodcock hunting or something. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. That sounds like a ton of fun. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll follow up soon. Yeah.
Sounds good. Thanks again, Nate. Hope everybody enjoyed that one with Nate. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Nate is, I'm not going to spend too much time on this outro because you you, you heard a lot about Nate on this episode, but it it was really helpful for him to come on, share his experience with uh, recently going through whelping a litter for the first time because believe it or not, I mean, that's one of the top, not one of the top, but it, it, it comes up quite a bit from listeners and emails asking if we can cover how to become a breeder, how to become a trainer, you know, the what do I do when the when the first litter's coming. So uh, it, it's always helpful talking to somebody that just recently went through it. I mean, it's just right in front of you. It's fresh on their mind. Uh, they remember what it was like to be in your shoes going into it. So I always like getting that perspective uh, from from people that just went through something. You know, there's obviously a world of knowledge of talking to the people that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. But sometimes the people that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years, they forget sometimes to throw in the detail that it seems like common knowledge to them, but it can mean mean the world to somebody first starting out. So uh, that's ultimately what, we, what we're trying to do with this podcast, ultimately, is just try and help everybody in, in any way we can with interesting topics and stuff that I wish I knew getting into it or, or just exploring new stuff, whatever. Um, but yeah, Nate, go check him out on Instagram again. He does a lot of good pictures, and uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. I'm sure he'll he'll make a uh, return visit at some point. But uh, yeah, with that, I'm not going to keep everybody too much longer after that uh just typical housekeeping stuff check out our patreon patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself check out our social media under gundog it yourself if you have any questions concerns listener suggestions uh whatever shoot them to us at gundog at yourself at gmail.com it's uh the easiest thing you can do to support the podcast is hitting that subscribe button and also hitting that share button it takes two seconds Throw it out there. Send it to a friend that you think might get some interest out of a topic, whatever. Uh, That goes a long way, and we appreciate everybody for doing it. Uh, Other people that we appreciate are the people that take the time to go leave a review. uh, It matters to the algorithm. We enjoy reading them. Uh, We appreciate the feedback. I love hearing what everybody loves about the podcast, and and, uh, it means a a lot to us. But ultimately, it does help the podcast uh, in the algorithm some way. I can't explain it, but I do know the higher your rating, the quicker you are to come up in searches or whatever. So it does help us out and it helps out any other podcast that you appreciate, you know, go hit that five star for them as well. Uh, but the review this week comes from Tilly, the Utah Brittany, most helpful podcast out there for five stars. There are few resources out there as helpful and enjoyable to listen to as GDIY. Nick has fantastic guests, is knowledgeable and helpful himself, and often asks the guests the same follow-up questions the listeners like myself have. Thanks for the quality content and keep up the good work. And uh, again, appreciate that review. That kind of goes with what I was just saying a minute ago. That's that's what we're trying to keep this podcast going is, is relatable and uh, asking the questions that any other person would ask if in the same room with these guests but appreciate that review uh if you're if you're hearing this reach out let me know social media or the gmail account and i'd be happy to get a hat and sticker in the mail to you uh with that being said i'm going to wrap this sucker up thanks for joining us hope everybody has kicked off the season somewhere somehow and has had good success or good luck and uh, be safe out there have fun and uh don't be too hard on your dogs you missed too
Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.